One of my favorite things about Jesus is that he was really good at telling stories. Don't get me wrong, his miracles are great too, not to mention the whole God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made of one being with the Father thing. But personally, I'm a sucker for a good story. And whenever Jesus wanted to convey some deep truth about God or the kingdom of heaven, nine times out of 10, Jesus told a story. We call these stories that Jesus tells parables. And today's gospel reading contains one of my favorite parables, the parable of the sower. So to recap, it goes like this. A farmer goes out with some seeds and sowed them on different types of ground. The farmer here represents God, and the seed represents the gospel, the good news of God's salvation. Then we get the four kinds of soil, or the four types of people. And now for those of you who can't pass up a good personality test, the Myers-Briggs, or your Enneagram, or which Star Wars character am I online quizzes, this should be exciting. Who doesn't like to see where they fit in a nice and tidy typology? So together, I invite you, let's take the parable of the sower personality test. Pay attention and see if you can decide where you fall. Okay, so Jesus says, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate it away. Jesus explains that this represents when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it. So this first group of people are folks who hear the gospel, but they don't understand what they're hearing. They don't get the gospel. Perhaps some of these people feel so unloved by so feel so unloved that they can't imagine that there is a God who loves them. Or maybe these are folks who have been hurt by the church, and now because of that, they have trouble believing that the gospel really is good news at all. Whatever the reason, though, for these people, the gospel just bounces off them when they encounter it. They reject it before it even has time to sink in. And you can all probably picture people that you know who are like this. Next up, Jesus says, other seeds fell on rocky ground where there wasn't much soil. They sprang up quickly, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Jesus says that these are the people who hear the word and immediately receive it with joy. But because they have no root and trouble and persecution arise, the person falls away. Unlike our first group of people, these people do receive the gospel. But then they discover that living the Christian life can be hard. Turning the other cheek, loving our neighbors as ourselves, isn't always easy especially in, say, traffic on I-35 or Mopac. When the trials and difficulties of life arise, when we treat others with kindness and they treat us poorly in return, it can be easier to wall ourselves off 
rather than continuing to reach out a hand of generosity only to have it slapped away again. You can all probably think of some people who fall into this category too. Next up, we have the seeds that fell among the thorns. The thorns grew up and choked them. These people, Jesus says, are those for whom the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word so that it yields nothing. For these people, money and possessions have become all-consuming, leaving no room for the gospel. We can all imagine those who have become so obsessed with money and influence that it's broken their brains just a little bit. In fact, I've heard that Elon Musk has a house right here across the way from us. I'm kidding, I love Brother Elon. In fact, I would welcome him to St. Mark's, especially if he believes in tithing. <laughs> but I think we can all attest that we don't have to have Elon Musk levels of money to let money, possessions, and the cares that go with it come between us and our relationship with God. In fact, you probably personally know some people who have let stuff come between them and the gospel. Okay, we've had our three bad sorts of people, right? Now we get to the good folks. The seeds that fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. These are the people who receive the gospel and stick with it. They don't let the hard times get in the way of their Christian walks. They don't let money and possessions crowd out God. They come to church on Sunday mornings, even in the summertime, even on days when it's already over 90 degrees before noon, even though there are no breakfast tacos between services. Just look at all of you. You're the good soil. We're the good soil. Let's all give ourselves a pat on the back for how splendid and wonderful we all are. So then, thanks be to God for people like us. In the name of the Father, I'm kidding. <laughs> what I've just presented is almost certainly the most common reading of this parable. The types of soil are types of people. And our goal is to be the good soil type of people. Despite that being probably the most common reading of the parable, I think it's actually a terrible reading of this parable. Let me explain with another illustration, a parable of Heath, if you will. Since moving to Texas just over a year ago, I have learned that Texans in general take great pride in their lawns. I promise I have tried to follow suit, but I have to be honest and admit that my own front lawn is, well, a source of deep and profound shame. <laughs> it is barren and weedy, and most of the grass that remains is yellowy brown. The most frustrating thing to me, though, is that there are a few spots, only a few, where the grass grows great without any problem at all, which means I have to cut my lawn despite it being ugly. So then, Jesus, 
where does my lawn fit into this parable? My lawn seems to be a mix of all four soil types. Some parts are rocky, some parts are weedy, some parts are somehow doing just fine. But I think that's exactly the point, though. I don't think that Jesus told this parable so that we could identify with the good people and identify who the bad people out there are. I don't think the world is made up of good people and bad people. I also think, for what it's worth, that in general, it's especially dangerous to read Scripture in a way that identifies some people with the bad guys who aren't good guys like us. That only leads to a sense of complacent self-satisfaction in ourselves and condemnation and judgment for others, which doesn't strike me as especially Christian. Instead, I think that if we look into ourselves honestly, we'll see that we do indeed all have aspects of ourselves that qualify as good soil. But then there are other parts that are rocky and thorny. Parts of the Christian life may come easy to us. Maybe we like coming to church, even when it's summer, even when there are no tacos. Maybe we find it hard, though, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Or maybe we find it easy to be generous with our money, but we're far too busy to share our time with God and others. I think that pretty much all of us can identify ways in which we do live up to the life to which Christ has called us. But we can also identify areas where we fall short, where we constantly let ourselves down. We may lose our tempers too quickly, we may drink more than we ought to, we may let our work lives eat into our time until we don't have time for our families. And none of these things mean that we're all bad soil. Even the best Christians have their problem areas. Instead, these are our rocky patches, the thorny parts of our, our metaphorical spiritual front lawns. So what are we to do about that? Well, I think the same thing with we do, that we do with our real front lawns. In some cases, waking up early before the sun gets too hot and pulling some spiritual weeds is the solution. Time in prayer and devotion at the beginning of the day. Sometimes, though, our spiritual front lawns may have gotten beyond our own abilities to salvage. Maybe we need help and encouragement from our fellow lawn enthusiasts, which is exactly why we come together here each Sunday. Sometimes, though, we may let our spiritual lawns become such a mess that only the help of a professional, God the Father and Son Landscaping Company, can salvage it. In those cases, we have to give up on trying to fix ourselves and simply turn ourselves over to God's grace. But no matter how beautiful our spiritual lawns, none of us are entirely free of stones and weeds. And, on the other hand, no matter how much of an eyesore our spiritual front yard is, how overgrown it is with distractions, difficulties, and shortcomings, God is the sower who continues to sow good seed. God is the gardener who works with us and with others, watering the grass, pulling the weeds, digging out the stones. 
so that we may all bear fruit for God's kingdom, whether 30, 60, or 100-fold. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.